Welcome to the latest Care Home Management Magazine podcast. Uh, my name's Steve Hemsley. I'm the publishing editor of Care Home Management Magazine. And this podcast is sponsored by Smooth Digital, helping fill care and nursing home beds with private paying uh, residents. Uh, well, we've got a special podcast today, a bite-sized uh, edition, where we're looking at the number of vacancies in the care sector. Uh, a, a report by Skills of Care said there were 100,000 uh, vacancies in the sector. Uh, but uh, it, things are looking up with more young people wanting to work in the sector. I'm joined on the podcast today by my co-presenter, Alan Rustad. Now, Alan, you did a really good interview with a chap called David Allison, who's the CEO of uh, a company called uh, Get My First Job. Um, what, w- what was he uh, telling you? Yes, it was interesting. Getmyfirstjob.co.uk uh, have been comparing data from the July to September period in 2019 to July to September 2020. And what comes through very clearly is that getting a job in the health and social care area has increased in popularity quite dramatically. Last year, it was about number 10 in the charts and behind many, many other forms of work. Now, this year, it's risen to number four. And it's really very interesting indeed to see how suddenly health and social care is an area that young people want to get involved with, which is very encouraging. David explained to me all the information that he'd gathered as part of that report. And I began by asking him, first of all, just how getmyfirstjob.co.uk came into being. We set the business up probably about six years ago, Alan, and it it was really in response to the fundamental flaw we saw in careers advice. And that was that although there was a lot of activity in schools and through youth engagement, um, the actual kind of the heart of the conversation was not really driven by what the young person wanted to do or what their interests were. It was driven by an agenda of having to deliver this, this thing called careers advice. And if you think about it, you know, the, the range of opportunities that there are out there at the moment, it's, it's really hard for anybody to keep up with. I mean, I spend my entire life worrying about it and I find it hard enough. So how we can expect a teacher to understand everything from degree apprenticeships to the loans that go with HE these days, let alone every single sector from childcare to IT to forensic science, it's almost an impossible job. So what we wanted to do was to try and turn that around and help young people explore what was out there because by helping them explore what was possible they were able to make better informed choices so whether you are a small healthcare provider or childcare setting how is it that a young person is able to make an informed choice about coming to you for the right reasons you're relying on so much chance if you're expecting them to, to find you to find the website you're advertising on to understand your job and then make an informed choice about applying so for us it was about changing that around and saying if you if you want to attract people to come work for you then how do you become um, appealing to them and how do you connect with those young people at the point when they're trying to make that really important decision about their their job so clearly you've, you've tapped into a, a willing audience here by the sounds of it. And looking at this survey, I mean, it, it's quite extraordinary that health and social care has risen from around about number 10 in the chart to number four uh, in this particular survey carried out between July and September. What do you put that down to? There's obviously been a lot of attention on the care sector as a whole uh, since uh, the, the beginning of the COVID um, uh, lockdown, really. And it's it's not really surprising that a raise in awareness in the media tends to play through into awareness from young people about the options that are out there. 
I think one of the real challenges we see in the care sector as a whole is that it's not been particularly well presented on the media. You know, the, the stories that you get are not always positive. We hear an awful lot around low pay, around difficult working environments. And I think it's been great to sort of see that the population as a whole has celebrated some of the amazing work that goes on within that sector. And it's kind of validated it as a real choice. So, you know, it is something that young people must then have permission to, to consider, permission to apply for. The, rather than being a survey, this is actually tracking around 100,000 young people and their online behaviour. And that makes it, I think, far more powerful than just a kind of a survey of 100 people. And generally, uh, do you find that uh, people are going into this sort of field, obviously knowing that it's not a highly paid profession by any means, is there a sense of desperation given the times that we're living in? I think desperation is probably too strong a word. I think there is a huge amount of uncertainty. And uh, with it, young people are, are probably more open to things than they would have been before. I wouldn't put that down to desperation, though. I think the it, it is just simply about saying, hey, here's a career that maybe you wouldn't have considered. But actually, it's one which is now, it, it's a valid choice. It's giving you potential for progression. But also, it does speak very much to this fundamental kind of agenda of caring. It's an incredibly rewarding sector to be part of for the right people. So just that ability to have it promoted, to see it as a valid choice, and to have your particular skills recognised, I think is really powerful. And that can trump what is pretty low pay. Yeah, I think one of the things that we sometimes get a bit fixated on as, um, as adults is the pay thing. Because, you know, when, when you've got a mortgage, you've got car payments and everything that goes with it, we all know that we have to earn a certain amount at the end of the month to be able to keep ourselves going. I think from the perception of a particular school leaver, that, that's very different. The, the kind of the overheads of, of, of life have not yet hit them. And, and what we do see from all of our data and research is that young people are increasingly driven to apply to organisations based on the values of that organisation rather than the job itself. In other words, they're smart enough to know they are not applying to do an apprenticeship which will last for 12 months they're applying to join an employer, to join an organisation and to be part of that organisation for a lot longer. And so when we're looking across all sectors, those organisations that are able to really clearly state what it is they do, why they do it, why it's of value, those are the ones that are attracting young people in far higher volumes than just the straight salary conversation. That's interesting because we find, looking at the care home sector in particular, a lot of people start off in life as a carer in a care home, work their way up, perhaps become, become care manager, work their way up further to become fairly instrumental into the, the big groups of care homes that are now forming. That presumably must appeal to them, I would imagine. I, again, I'm not sure that young people are hugely well informed about that kind of career progression. But I think one of the things that we are very keen to, to kind of publicise is, is that kind of case. Because I think if I look across the different sectors that we operate in, um, you know, health and social care is it's got such opportunity for rapid progression because it is down to the individuals, what they can do and how effective they are. Whereas if you look at other sectors where you're much more tied into professional qualifications, for example, that progression could be an awful lot slower. So you may think you're earning a little bit more to begin with, but you're going to have to work very hard at that, that low level for many years before you're able to progress. And certainly as far as care homes are concerned, they're always looking for staff. It's not an easy job. A lot come from overseas at the moment, and that's in grave doubt in in the future. So 
presumably that the, the opportunities are there. What is? I mean, it's not most attractive of jobs for many people, especially young people. You would imagine who might be keen on I don't know IT or all these sort of other things. But it's very much a hands-on, person-to-person experience becoming a carer. When you can tell those genuine stories about the kind of the work of a carer, the impact they have on others' lives, I think that really does resonate. So you may not have a vacancy today. But just because you don't have one today does not mean you're not going to be recruited in the next 12 months. So keeping an eye on the way in which you connect with your potential workforce in the future is so important. Always being available, for example, to, to talk to people, to collect CVs, so that when you do need somebody, rather than going out into the, the jobs market and trying to find that person who happens to be available today, you're actually able to go and find those people who have shown a real interest for the last two or three months those are the people that stick. And, and certainly when we've looked at the data behind that, you can see a shift of maybe 20% in terms of retention rates by finding those people who you have engaged with and who over time have said, yeah, no, I want to work for you. I want to work in this sector. It's far more effective than putting a job ad out and then trying to sort through the list of 100 people in the hope that you, you strike gold because you, you, you won't do that. That's interesting because we've spoken to a number of care home operators and uh, bodies like the National Care Association who report, yes, there is a greater interest in getting work as a carer in care homes and that kind of thing. Their big, big worry is that once the pandemic is over, that this is a phase that may then fade out and that those people who've wanted to come into care may then start looking at other things when more opportunities in other fields become available. I, yeah, I think the one thing that I've certainly learned this year is that my crystal ball is very much out of focus. And, and I therefore probably wouldn't want to predict exactly what will happen. But there is undoubtedly a shift um, around different sectors that is, is going to continue. However, when you look at the next 10 to 15 years, you look at all of the research, it, it says that the, the kind of the high touch careers are going to be those that are, are sustainable. So we're seeing an awful lot of recruitment, for example, at the moment in um, the jobs around uh, warehousing logistics, and they're attracting huge volumes. But it's pretty much a well-known fact that within 10 to 15 years, automation will have removed that workforce um, pretty much in its entirety. The one thing I guess we could probably agree on more than anything else is that that will not be the case within the care sector. And do you find, as a final point, do are the employers in, in the care sector, are they getting wise to this now? Because they've always been a bit conservative with a small c they've always been a bit slow to embrace new technology from your experience of what you're doing through uh, get my first job are they now beginning to is the penny dropping with them the more informed and the the better um organizations across every sector and, and certainly within care homes are those that recognize that recruiting and attracting the workforce that will be with them next year is something that starts today it doesn't start three days before you need them and, and actually, increasingly, if that's not an expensive or a difficult process, providing those case studies on your website that tell your stories about how great it is to work there, that's pretty much free and anybody can do it. Uh, providing opportunity for people to, to connect with you, whether it is via social media or whether it is via sending in a CV, that, that's free. And, and, you know, things like DBS checks, the ability to bring people in and start that process early, those are things that just make life so much easier operationally, as opposed to waking up on the, the kind of the Thursday morning, realizing you haven't got enough cover for the weekend and then trying to recruit. Because at that point, you are unfortunately bound to fail. So it, it's as much thinking six months out. And if you put those kind of very, very simple techniques in place, 
then actually it makes day-to-day operations easier as well as having a kind of a more stable, more engaged workforce. Well, thank you, Alan. That was a really interesting interview with um, uh, with David. Um, what uh, stood out for me was two things, really. One, how care homes need to engage with their workforce of the future and not just wait until they have a vacancy. And the other was this fear that you touched on about whether once the pandemic's over and confidence returns to the economy and jobs are created in a wider uh, sectors, um, whether people will not no longer want to work in social care, younger younger people. What, what did you take from the interview? Yes, it was interesting that he seemed to be, uh, uh, he seemed to think that if care homes get their acts together and make sure that they just don't engage with young people when they need to find somebody to do, start work on Saturday or something, that they, they do need to encourage young people to work with them, to uh, exchange views, to bring them along. They'll find it much easier to recruit and thereby much easier also to keep staff in place. Because I know a lot of care homes are worried that although this is a positive trend, it may die out once the world of work returns to normal again. Absolutely, Alan. And uh, we did cover this subject as well in our August podcast on recruitment. So if you want to listen to that, uh, please go to our website, uh, chmonline.co.uk and uh, click on the uh, podcast link. All our podcasts are there. Um, And in fact, later this month, we're going to have a legal special podcast. So please um, listen to that. Uh, In the meantime, uh, Alan, thank you for your time. And everybody will speak to you soon on further podcasts.